0: Oh, it's something else I want to do. So, okay, so Scott and Janet are gone, and, you know, Scott and Janet pretty much lead everything here, right? Um, I mean, Scott is the worship leader, and he's the pastor, um, you know, and Janet does a lot with that stuff as well. So, so this morning, you know, was a morning of risk, and, you know, here we celebrate risk. You know, God doesn't, doesn't nearly care much as much about where you are in life as where you're heading, as long as you're moving, as long as you're growing, then he is celebrating everything you do. So, um, just, so for the worship team um, and for Stacy and coming up with an impromptu communion meditation, I, I'd just like to just give him a round, round of applause, just say thank you. Thank you for stepping out. And we just want to honor that this morning, uh, which, which is awesome. Any Anytime you take a risk, just remember that, anytime you take a risk, and it's for God, he is celebrating and He is proud of you, no matter what the results are. Alrighty, righty. Um, okay, so today we're going to continue on. Um, we're going through the book of Romans. That hasn't changed. Uh, Scott started with the first half of chapter 4 last week, and we're going to build on that this week. We're going to be looking at the second half of chapter 4, specifically verses 18 through 25. So I'll go ahead and let folks start turning to that. And I'd like to share a little story. So in, in Scott's tradition... As the drought continued for what seemed like an eternity, a small community of farmers was in a quandary as to what to do. Rain was important to keep their crops healthy and sustain the town people's way of life. As the problem became worse, a local pastor called a prayer meeting to ask for rain. Many people arrived. The pastor greeted most most of them as they came in the door. And as he walked to the front of the church to officially begin the meeting, he noticed that most of the people were talking to their friends across the rows and, and were socializing. When he reached the front to, to get everybody's attention and quiet things down, he just scanned the crowd, and he noticed that there was a little, little girl, an 11-year-old girl, who was sitting up front. He, what he really noticed about her was that beside her was sitting a bright red umbrella, and her face was just beaming with excitement. The little girl's beauty and innocence made the pastor smile as he realized how much faith she possessed. No one else in the congregation had thought to actually bring an umbrella when they were praying for rain. But this little girl did. And it's this little girl who demonstrated a level of hope and faith in God that calls her to look beyond the natural circumstances around her. She trusted the goodness and the power of God enough to prepare for him to act. And this is the type of, of hope and faith that Paul's talking about in chapter 4, as he's, as he's talking about Abraham as an example, as Abraham is the father of the faith. So let's take a look at, at Romans uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 18, through going to, down to 25. "'Against all hope, Abraham, in hoped believed, and so became the father of many nations.'" Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his face and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were not written for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. So I just want to take a moment uh, just to pray, um, because you know there's, there's truth that's going to be expressed this morning, and, and not because... I'm, I'm teaching, but because God has a word for all of us this morning. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. Lord, you, you are here. You are in us, and you are among us. And I just pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, our minds, our eyes, Lord, just to see everything that you have for us this morning. Lord, that you would help us to recognize the truth, the specific truth you have for our lives at this moment. And Lord, that you would help us To grow our hope and grow our faith in you. Lord, so that we can live the amazing life, the abundant life that was demonstrated through our Father in the faith, Abraham. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so starting in verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hoped in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as that had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Okay, so Against all hope, Abraham hoped. Okay, so what's Paul trying to tell us here? Abraham's hope was a different kind of hope. Okay, so hope means that you're looking forward for something to happen or for something to be true, and you believe it can happen or it can be true. You know, we're all built to hope. We actually all need hope. There's no... That's one of the worst things for for anything to ever happen to a person is for them to lose all hope. Now, the thing is, the world can disillusion us. I mean, it can cause us to limit the things that we hope for, or it can cause us to, to hope in the wrong things, but we're all built with that innate need to hope. I mean, it's actually part of the image of God that we carry. However, hope is only as good as what you place your hope in. All hope has an object, it, it rests on something or has a foundation. You know, I, okay, I can hope I can, that I'll win the lottery, in which case I'm placing my hope on chance. Um, I can hope that people like me, in which case I'm, I'm putting my hope in my own ability or I'm putting hope in the character of another person. Now, now in cases like this, I mean, we, we can possibly get what we hope for, but oftentimes we're gonna be disappointed because we're placing our hope and something that's imperfect or, or imaginary or possibly even evil. But instead, God made us to hope in him. When our hope is placed on God, where it was designed to be, our hope is secure because God is infinite and God is infinitely good. It, was, it will never be a source of disappointment and heartache, but will give us life and give us strength and bring us blessing. That's what the Holy Spirit tells us in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. This is what Abraham experienced when he hoped. Abraham hoped that God would fulfill his promise to give him and his wife a child. And it's, and it's his belief and it's his steadfastness in that hope that brought about the blessing. And beyond that, left, a, left an amazing legacy that has lasted 4,000 years. We're still impacted by the life of Abraham. But what I wanna do is actually say this a little differently. So, so I'm going to broaden the scope about hope in this example. Abraham's hope was in the goodness and in the power of God. That's what it was based on. It rested on God's character, his goodness and his power. Now Abraham knew that his desire for children would be fulfilled because God is good and he has the power to overcome any obstacle. And I think that's pretty obvious. But furthermore, Abraham's hope was actually in an expansion of the kingdom of God. Or to say it differently, it was to make heaven, excuse me, earth look a little more like heaven. Okay, so how do I get that? Okay, Abraham hoped in God fulfilling his promise. Every promise of God is according to God's will. It is a promise in the fulfillment of God's will. The kingdom of God is the manifestation of his will here on earth. Every promise of God is going to grow his kingdom for the benefit of mankind. In heaven, everything works according to his will. And so anytime that one of God's promises is fulfilled on earth, it's going to look a little bit more like heaven, like that place where everything is according to his will. And ultimately, that's the same. That should describe the same type of hope that we have. Everything we hope for should be dependent on God's nature, His goodness, and His power. And the things we hope for should, in some way, make Earth look a little more like Heaven. Now, this can sound a little limited. I mean, okay, well, that's nice, churchy talk, and that like, it's like, do I want? I mean, does everything I should want in life line up with that? Well, yes, it does, because when we talk about the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of God is, are the things of, of life that are truly good and truly lasting. So that, it incorporates things like, I want a greater experience of God's presence. I want better relationships in my life. I want greater wisdom. I want greater joy, peace, and righteousness, and more excitement about life. Those are all things that are involved in the kingdom. Those are all things that God wants for you and that are good to hope for. In fact, hope is part of the normal Christian life. Um, God intends for it to be a constant part of our attitude, and it should be a source of joy in our lives. Um, coming up in, in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, Paul is going is to list out the things that, that we Christians should be doing. So in, in verses 11 and 12, he says, Never be lacking zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. It's just one of the things that are, it's just naturally who we are. We can kind of get trained out of that, but that's our, our core, our fundamental being is we are a hopeful people. And this can be true for all of us when we place our hope in God. Even in situations where the world is trying to beat us down and convince us that we should have no hope, the Holy Spirit has already told us that those are times that God will actually grow our hope if we let him. In Romans 5, 3-5, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Okay, so the question is, is your life characterized by hope? And what are you putting your hope in? And by the way, I say you, please understand, I'm talking to me too. And I'll, I'll let y'all know about that in just a second. Is your hope based on God's goodness and power? Is everything that you hope for ultimately an expansion of his kingdom here on earth? If it is, then you should actually live with an expectancy to experience the blessing and strength talked about in Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 the joy of Romans 12, and a life free of disappointment, as the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 5. Now, if it's not true, if you feel that you're not a hopeful person, it's just not part of who you normally are, or if you're not depending on God to bring about what you're hoping for, or if if your desires and your dreams don't really align with God's will, then the Holy Spirit is calling you this morning to to examine those areas about yourself. Listen to that call and spend some time with God to rethink what you desire and why. Go to him in prayer and and meditate on your hopes. Ask yourself and ask him, why do I want these things and what am I depending on to make them happen? And in the end, he'll, he'll reveal these things to you. And you know what? Maybe he'll, he'll take your hopes and your dreams, and maybe he'll give you something that's incredibly better than what you had. So I'll share a little story. So this is something that happened to me over the past week or so. Actually, it has been one week because it happened last Sunday. We were short um, one helper with, with the kids. And, so, and I'll say kids, young adults. And so last week, uh, Janet came in and and help me out with the, the teens and the preteens. Well, okay, so I know that Janet loves me, no question. I know that she is a woman of grace and that she is not looking for faults in anyone. Know that, know it up here. Okay, what happened was, as soon as she walked into the class, in my heart, I all of a sudden got, felt that I'm like, I'm getting an inspection from the co-master pastor. <laughs> I'm... I, I just, for some reason, I freaked out, and I'm like, oh, what if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? So guess what I did? I messed up. I messed up pretty badly. Um, I stammered. I couldn't think of what I was, you know, the points I'd gone over. Like, I, before I go into the class, I prepare, you know, on Sunday mornings, I, I come up with the, an outline and, you know, try to plan an activity, and well, you know what, it just all went out the window, and I am so glad that Janet was there because, you know, she helped out a lot and she spoke up and she gave a lot of great truth and it was, it was phenomenal. Um, but the thing, oh, and afterwards too. Oh, gosh. Um, so afterwards, I, I mean, I felt like a failure because let me tell you, I, I enjoy teaching. You know, I do it here and also as part of what I do you know, during the week and it's something that I, I feel called to do. I think it's something that a ministry that God wants me to take part in. And so, I hope to be great, you know, and not for the sake of creating a name for myself or anything, but you know what? I want to see God glorified, and I want to see the people of God turn into the amazing men and women that God created them to be, and I'm grateful that I get to, I get to help out in a small way, but at the end of that, the end of that lesson, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm rock bottom. I'm just like, oh, it's like, Lord, I can't, like, why do you want me to do this? I'm horrible, you know, it's like, I'll never be any good at this. Maybe somebody else should be taking them. And and I expressed a little bit of that to to Jamie, so she can attest. Um, But then the thing was, okay, I'm like, all right, during the week, God, what's going on? What's going on? And so he let me know that I took this hope that I could be, I could serve him well, and I... I placed it on my ability instead of on his goodness and his power. And you know what? I'm going to screw up. I'm imperfect. And so that was the result. And so the thing was, you know, I had to to be honest with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was honest with me, and we worked it out. And you know what? I I had a great week, you know, because I now actually have the understanding in here, more so than up here, that God's in control. I'm not the one who's going to bring my hopes and dreams about. It's going to be him. And so, you know what? If I have a, you know, if folks don't get as much out of my teaching as, as you know, from someone else, well, okay, so be it. You know, again, we're all growing. We're all taking risks. We're stepping out, and that's what God applauds. So I just say that to encourage you, because he'll do the same for you. All right, lastly, when, when our hopes align with God's will, then we should have faith that God is going to bring them to fulfillment. And that actually leads us into the next section of this passage. Verses 19 through 21. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had the power to do as he had promised. Abraham and Sarah believed against all odds because God is good to his word and Abraham, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. Okay, at this time, you know, when they actually had had a child, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Can you imagine having a child at 190 could you imagine raising a child at 190? And, and just so we don't think that there's some, something funny going on because you know Abraham lived to be 175 and Sarah lived to be 127. But just so we don't think that they're like the elves from Lord of the Rings or something, that maybe they age differently than we do. No, it, it says that they were past the age of having children. They, they realized their bodies were dead. And it was, in verse 18, it said, against all hope. In other words, there was no hope by by any natural means that they were going to have kids. It would have been impossible, but thankfully, we have a big God. Like Jesus said in in Luke um, 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Okay, so what are you believing for that is impossible? Do you have dreams that could only come true if God were involved? (laughs) Awesome. Amen. Okay, so here's an example. Last week, Scott talked about having a building of our own. Oh, we so want a building of our own. Where we stand right now as a congregation is that we pay $700 a month for about 3,000 square feet in the YMCA. Um, If we were to go out anywhere else in town and find a place that, that we could rent um, and to use throughout the week. The low end of the price range is about seventy-five cents per square feet square foot. Which that, that comes out to be two thousand two hundred and fifty dollars per month. So that's more than three times what we're paying now. So we have two options that you know we could grow by three times or we could I'll give three times as much as we are now. But the thing is, right now, as it stands, we can't do it. But now, Scott got up here and he said that, you know, I feel that this year is the year. You know, and, and, I, and I'll take that as a word from God, that this year is going to be the year. So the thing is, I mean, by all natural means, I mean, that's fairly impossible. We've been here for about 10 years, and... I mean, we're, we're a group of 50, 60 people. So with, without God's intervention, you know, there's no way that that can happen. Not by our power, but by his, everything is possible. And the wonderful thing about situations like that is when we move into that building, we're gonna know it was God. And that's the same thing that can happen in your life. If you've limited your dreams just because you thought they could never happen, If you've read or heard about the promises of God and set them aside because you thought that it was just too much, then repent. Repent. We all need to do it. And remember that our Father is the same one who formed the earth. He set the stars ablaze. So so just cut the anchors and dream with Him. He wants to do the impossible in your life because you know what? When he does the impossible, that is when you are going to be blessed the most, and he's going to be glorified the most. Okay. Um, when getting this message ready, I, I felt that there was a couple of things um, that I needed to address that, that are I consider to be dangers when we talk about believing things um, and having faith in things, uh, and faith in God to move. Um, Okay, now for those of you who are familiar with the life of Abraham, uh, we talked about what Abraham's faith not wavering. Um, Well, if you're familiar with his life, you may ask, what about Ishmael? Okay, Abraham is, Abraham, I was about to say Abraham and Sarah, but no, just Abraham had a son before Isaac. He had it with another woman. Now, and this was after he had received the promise. So in Genesis 16, 1 through 4, it gives an account of this. Now, Sarah, Abraham... Well, I'm, I'll just use their names after, their, after God, the Lord renamed them. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah had said. So Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarah, his wife, t- took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Okay, again, this is after the Lord gave Abraham the promise. Actually gave him two promises on the same thing, that he, was good, that he and Sarah will have a child. Okay, so what do we do with this? Did Abraham... The scriptures get it wrong. Did Abraham waver in his faith? Well, I don't think he did. I think what happened here, because the Romans tells us he did not waver. I think that he just fell into a trap that a lot of us can easily fall into. He tried to help God along. So, when we receive a promise from God, from Scripture, through through a word from a fellow believer, or directly from God Himself you know, we often just, we get a snapshot of the future. Somewhere along the the course of our lives, we see a picture of something wonderful that God wants to do. But now the problem is, most of the time when God does that, he just gives us the picture. He doesn't tell us when, he he doesn't tell us how. So the thing is, we have to, we just have to kind of wait and see and work with him as best we can. But you know, it's kind of easy at times to get overly excited because, you know what, everything that God tells us about our future is good. And you know what, I don't know about you, but I want good things in my life. And so we can outpace God. We can actually try to, like, run ahead of him when he's not, he's not done getting us there yet, that we're not going to be ready for that. So, so let's try to take in this, I mean, just, just to make it applicable, let's, let's Take a second and try to get the perspective for Abraham and Sarah. Okay. In that day, what Sarah was suggesting was a culturally accepted practice. Everybody's doing it. It's not a problem. In a sense, it would actually be like using a surrogate mother. So the child that was born to the servant would actually be treated as the child of the master's wife. Also, these are people... Abraham and Sarah, who have yearned for ch- children for years. They're 100 and they're 90, and they still want kids. Now, for people who want kids and they can't have them, that can be a real, that can be a real source of heartache. I mean, that can, that can be very difficult for people to go through. So they're hurting for a long time. And then the Lord has given them a promise that, hey, you're going to have a child, And that was 10 years ago. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, you said this was going to happen. And, you know, so, you know, maybe they're thinking, well, maybe the Lord's waiting on us to do something. And you know what Sarah's suggesting? I mean, that's, you know, it's acceptable, right? So they try it. And disaster ensues. The servant Hagar gets prideful and causes strife with Sarah. Uh, Sarah treats Hagar horribly. Abraham lets her do it. and eventually his son Ishmael's descendants actually become enemies to the Jewish people, who were the descendants of the son that God eventually does give him, Isaac, all because of one decision to help God. So the thing is, you know sin can have far-reaching consequences. but what do we do? What do we do in this situation? How can we tell if God is really opening a door? or if we're actually just distorting the situation. Okay, first, ask. You know, go to God in prayer and, and see if you're making the right decision. Then listen for his response by any means that he wants to talk to you. And now the second is, look at the situation. Is there something, is there, is there some wrong thinking involved? Okay, so the first thing, if you remember back to the passage, it said that Sarah said, you know, basically, that the Lord has kept her from having children. Does the Lord make someone barren? I'll argue no. You know, the Lord gives life. He doesn't steal it. He doesn't, he doesn't do that to people. So she's questioning the goodness of God. And then the second thing is, she's suggesting that her husband sleep with another woman to have a child. Yeah. So, so the thing is, in this situation, so she has a wrong idea about God, and they're actually suggesting that they sin in order to bring about God's will. If, if either of those things are ever happening and in, in going through your mind when you're trying to make a decision, stop. Just stop. It's not what God has for you. God has a different and a better plan. Okay, the, the second thing I want to bring up is, basically, what is it okay to go, believe in God for? Okay, so let, here, let's, let's just take th- three people. First person is, say you have, you have a mother, um, there's no food in the house, there's no money, and she's having faith that God is going to provide food for her family. Okay. Next situation, you have a man. He and his wife are having huge marital problems, but somebody gives him, you know, a word from God, and he, or he gets a, a download from God directly that, God's going to intervene and, and fix their problems. Third person, you have a man who who's has faith in God for another pleasure yacht. Okay, is there a problem with the thinking of any, any, any of these people? Okay. So let's take each one one at a time. Okay, the first one, we have the mother who's trusting in God. Hasn't heard from God that, that God's going to provide, but the thing is, is completely, completely within the character of God to provide for the needs of His children. Um, God, is, you know, the the Bible talks about God being a provider, and you know, the, the Bible says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and He'll He's going to take care of everything else. I mean, He, Jesus t- says, you know, gives the parable about. You know, God takes care of the birds. He already knows your needs and he's going to take care of you. Okay, so first one is within the character of God. So it's, it's good to have faith. The second one, he believes he actually has heard from God that God's going to move. He has a promise. He should absolutely have faith. Third case. And this is where things get a little tricky. So, so this person is having faith that God's going to provide him a pleasure. yacht. Now... God will give gifts to his children just for the sake of, of making them happy. He's, he's a father. You know, just like, you know, I, I will do things for my daughter just for the sake of making her happy. I buy her toys. But the thing is, is it okay for her to demand that from me? No. If you think about it, it's kind of like, okay, I, I'm a kid and, you know, I'm a little girl coming up and saying, Daddy, if you love me, you'll buy me a pony. Or I'm like a kid, or, you know, say I'm a guy, teenager in high school, and, hey, I got good grades, you need to buy me a car. Because the thing is, what we're trying to do in those situations is we're trying to obligate somebody else based on their goodness. It's the same thing with God. If, if I'm claiming that I'm going to name it and claim it, and that's typically that's kind of the stereotype of what it's referred to, I'm going to name it and claim it, and because I have faith, God has to do this for me. That's not how it works. If it's not within the character of God, and if, and if he hasn't given you a promise, you can't obligate God to do these things for you. Okay, and, and I make this kind of an, a little bit of an extreme example, but the thing is, it, it's, it's a lot more great than that. Um, you know, say I have a job that allows me to take care of my family's needs, but I want to send my kids to a better school. Or I want to get a gift from my wife that allows me to express how much I love her. And so, is it okay to have faith in God for something like that? So the thing is, when it comes to things like that, it's why we have the Holy Spirit. So if there's any time where it's like, if you're not sure, there's a reason that God put the Holy Spirit in us. You know, think of it in in terms of when in doubt, seek the Spirit out. You know, if you ask and you listen the Holy Spirit is going to guide you through those things. Personal opinion, the Bible gives us guidelines for living life, but the Holy Spirit is the one who will actually take those and apply those to our daily lives and fill in all the gaps. Okay. All righty, so I'm going to jump back to our passage, and uh, we have one more point to, we'll do fairly quickly uh, before we close this morning. Okay, starting in verse 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Okay, so why was Abraham credited with righteousness? All we have to do is look back to the previous verses. Abraham was fully persuaded in his faith, which was demonstrated by him giving glory to God in a situation that looked impossible. He was credited righteousness because he had faith in God. Now, this offer not only applies to Abraham, but to everyone who has faith in God. It's a familiar lesson, but one that that deserves repeating. We do not earn righteousness. We can't because we can never adhere to the standard which God set, which is perfection. Anything less comes short. But God will credit us with righteousness due to our faith that Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price for our transgressions and our debt has been utterly and completely forgiven we are now accepted as just. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's the same God who gave Abraham and Sarah's, Sarah's bodies life in order to have children that will give us life, eternal life, an abundant life, better than anything that we can hope and imagine. And you know, if that wasn't enough, Abraham is an example of that abundant life that we can actually have here on earth. We're not, we're not going to do the same things or be blessed in exactly the same ways as Abraham, but we can, we can re- still receive that same level of blessing. Abraham was blessed with an intimate relationship with God, and he left behind one of the most ama- amazing legacies in the Bible. He was the father of the Jewish people, God, who God called his people. Jesus is one of Abraham's direct descendants. He's like, Jesus is great, 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 going on granddaddy. God included Abraham's story in the Bible as an example to every believer. You know, God even, he even named the place where all, all of the people who, who died you know, were, um, before Jesus came, their souls went to a place named after Abraham. It was called Abraham's bosom. And God even called himself Abraham by Abraham's name, when he referred to himself as the God of Isaac, excuse me, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, think about that. You know, how awesome would it be if God, God told the world, you know, I am the God of, of Ray, of Tanya, of Tyler, that, he, that you are that important that he thought that much of you in which to even call himself by your name. And as far as we can tell, you know, there's nothing in the scriptures that say that Abraham was anything special. You know, we don't know that he was, you know, terribly intelligent, clever, skilled. The one thing that we do know about him is that he had faith. That's it. He had simple, unwavering hope and faith born out of a relationship with the lover of our souls. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes in this life. That's all that God's looking for. That's all it takes to live a life of legend. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray, um, and then we'll have the the worship team come back up for a couple more songs. Dear God, um, I just pray for everyone here, Lord, that you would please. Help us to to walk in the faith and the hope that Abraham had. Let us not waver. Let us just simply depend on you. Let let us just, please, just connect with you in that same way, to have that intimate relationship with you. And Lord, we just give you our lives. Lord, do with with us what you will. Because Lord, we know that anything that you're going to do is going to be great. So Lord, we just trust in your love and we trust in your power, and we just pray, Lord, for your kingdom to come, Lord, for earth to come to heaven, Lord, and for you to be glorified. And we just thank you and praise you. Amen.